You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Worship Review, the podcast which critically and charitably evaluates the songs that are sung in some churches, in some places, by some people, mostly those that speak English, because those are the languages that we speak and most of our listeners speak, although we have done songs that are not in English necessarily, and that are sung in other countries. Check series three if you'd like to see us tackle some of those songs. But what we're doing on this series, the fourth series of the podcast, is we are looking at songs that are sung uh, in a kind of worship service context on a Sunday morning, as it were, and uh, we are examining the lyrics and giving the songs a rating. This is kind of a peer review system. Tyler and I, are, my co-host, are both academics. I'm a history professor, and Tyler, what, what do you do these days? Nothing? Yeah, I sit around on the couch, okay. watch TV, um, read books. So a grad student. Yeah, that's right. I'm a graduate student. <laughs> Tyler actually uh, is a linguist, and it's uh, you, you, you will see that on the podcast if you're not a regular listener. He's bringing up those linguistic tips and tricks. I'm full of tricks, that's yeah, for sure. He's a tricky dude. Uh, but so, you know, one of the other things about Tyler and I is that we also have been what many would call worship leaders for a good chunk of our adult lives. Uh, people that arranged music, put it together for a Sunday morning service, uh, led it in terms of, of vocals or instruments, that sort of thing. So we've got uh, quite a bit of experience doing that. We're not, neither of us are doing that anymore. And so we wanted to make a podcast which kind of supported the idea of peer review. Uh, worship leaders, former worship leaders in our case, um, providing some feedback and uh, constructive criticism of worship music uh, and hopefully helping pastors and worship leaders and even just pew-sitting Christians uh, evaluate the songs that they sing in their churches. So what we're doing is looking at uh, individual songs on each podcast episode, and the song that we're looking at today is called Is He Worthy by Andrew Peterson. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave What we like to do on this podcast is give a summary, and then we will go through the lyrics, and then we will give some concluding thoughts and a rating out of five. And that rating is out of something that we don't know yet. Tyler has got his, and I've got mine, and we'll see. Uh, changes every episode, the criteria for what what out of five somethings. So we'll figure out what that's going to be at the end of the episode. you got to wait till the end. Yes, and just for the listeners who are new to the show, uh, what Colin has just said is true in many respects. N we do not talk about the songs before we record. Mm -hmm. We do not share our ratings of the songs before we record. And we do not share the quantifiers. So no. we know that it's a scale out of five. A uh, listener asked me recently if we have a zero. We don't. So the worst <laughs> song is a one. The best song is a five. Yeah. Um, ki kind of like an American grading scale of A, B, C, D, and F. Yeah. Because... It is the case that the difference between uh, a four and a five is much smaller than the difference between a one and a two. For sure. We've typically only given songs ones that have outright heresy in them that are just unsingable for usually multiple reasons. And fives generally have to be passively and actively good in the sense that they have to do nothing wrong and they also have to do things right. Yeah. So it's, it's a high bar to hit for yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that really sums up. That makes our rating criteria sound less arbitrary and capricious than maybe perhaps even it is. We're still capricious, but we're not <laughs> arbitrary. That's <laughs> true. And I was just going to say that, you know, because we don't talk about anything prior to the show, that is why, to answer many listener questions that we've received, that is why the show is so low quality. 
All right. So, Is He Worthy by Andrew Peterson. Tyler, this is a song which has been played a lot in my house by my wife. She really likes the album this comes off of, Resurrection Letters, Volume 1. So I've heard it a lot prior to this podcast. And um, uh, my kids read Andrew Peterson's Wing Feather Saga books. Are these three children that are yeah. siblings? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, wait, this... Forgive me, I'm a little bit uh, okay. new to Andrew Peterson. Your so kid? he has a whole franchise of music and books. Oh yeah, man, the guy is the guy is a creative nuclear bomb in the in the the best sense of the nuclear bomb in that he just um, he just makes creative things explode, okay. flourish. He's a creative Johnny Appleseed. That would be a better analogy. Okay, I like the nuclear bomb, but <laughs> radiating creativity. Yeah. So anyway, so so this was a familiar song to me, but I, I I think I've referenced this song one time in a rating in a previous podcast, and you were you were you had no idea what this song was. So maybe I should ask you, Tyler, how would you summarize this song as somebody who probably hasn't heard it very much? Right, as someone who's not a fan or close to fans of uh, Mr. Peterson, I would summarize this song. Uh, and in some ways, maybe that's better because my perspective is naive. Yeah. As a scripture-laden um, reflection on a moment that is coming in the future mm-hmm. to the Christian and to the whole world, um, specifically Revelation 5. The whole thing seems to really revolve around that yeah. scene of the Lamb opening the uh, scrolls, excuse me, opening the seals of the scroll. So we have, it's curious in some respects, because unlike most songs that we've done on this show, there are things that make it kind of um, stereotypical of the songs we've done. But one of the things that sets it apart is that it's in a call and response format. So we have a bunch of, um, yes or no questions, essentially. And the the leader, who is uh, Peterson, asks this question, and then a chorus responds. And these are meant clearly to be rhetorical questions, but yeah. we do get verbal responses from the people anyway. Yeah. So, for example, um, do you feel the world is broken? No one is going to say that question. No, nah, it seems all right to me, yeah. right? So it's Everything's a rhetorical been question. Just fine. Right. Is it... <laughs> Yes. Excuse me. <laughs> Everything's just fine right now. Right. <laughs> so it's obvious you're meant to respond in the affirmative, but in this song you actually get an affirmative response from uh, the people. I'm curious if it's done in a church, If tr- how churches yeah. would do that. I'm assuming it would be call and response from the quote-unquote worship leaders uh, and the congregation. Yeah, I guess maybe there's some way that people, there's some common way that this is engineered. I have to say, like, I didn't even realize that this song was being sung in churches. And I noticed, you know, cause we're doing this series with the CCLI top songs. We're, we're picking songs to evaluate that are very uh, prominent that are frequently sung in churches. And I was shocked to see this song in the top 50. I thought, how, how, how is this going to be done? You know, it's not, it's not, you're right. It's stylistically unique. Yes. And even musically, it is a, a symphonic production more yeah. than a typical worship song, which is a guy with a guitar can lead most worship songs. This, it's it's certainly possible you could carry the chords, but in this song there are there's a chorus, there are symphonic instruments, there's violins, violas, cellos, um, and it just seems like a production more than yeah. a, a typical song. That's and I say that in a neutral sense. I don't think that's necessarily good or bad. It's just different. Yeah. Do you have any? I've been trying to think why that would be. Why is it the case that a bunch, obviously spontaneously, a bunch of worship leaders had heard this song and thought, I want to do that song in my congregation. And they decided to do it, right? And they've picked doing this song because it's obviously so popular. They've clearly picked this song in in some cases over songs with that are much easier for a dude with a guitar to place you know play with a band um i will say on on some level it may be that they are interested in something new and 
this song came out in 2018, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not brand new, but it's relatively new. And I know uh, this is probably uh, giving the inside baseball to worship of worship leading to maybe some listeners. That's probably not a bad thing. Um, a lot of times you really are looking for variety. You don't yeah. want to do the same song two Sundays in a row. And so that can factor into choosing a mm -hmm. song, wanting to try a new artist, uh, wanting to try a new style. A lot of churches don't do the call and response thing. Some do in their liturgies as well as in their songs. Uh, so it could be a desire for change. And it could be that these rhetorical questions also resonate with the worship leaders as well, because um, not only is the call and response style unique, but a bunch of rhetorical questions is also unique. It, yeah. You would see that maybe in a meditative prayer or in a thoughtful reflection, but not typically in worship songs, which are often in the contemporary context, expounding upon some idea um, in a very, very impassioned way. And right. there's passion here, but it's not exuberance yeah. uh, for most of the song. I think you're right, and we'll we'll get into. I have comments on this at least, and maybe you do too. But when we get to the chorus, like there are even rhetorical questions in the chorus, and rhetorical questions can create tension because they posit a question either without an answer, or they posit a question where you expect an answer, but obviously that moment of expectation between the moment of expectation and the payoff, um, there's tension, yes. and so I wonder if that plus the call and response was so unique and in some ways powerful, and we'll get into that too, I'm sure, that worship leaders thought, I need, I need to do this. Like, I, I was moved by this, therefore my congregation will be moved by this, so we need to do this song. Yeah, the rhetorical questions are extremely powerful, and I think that's why uh, in many legal contexts, or if you're ever being sure. questioned or interrogated, if someone's pressing you, they will often ask you a question— imply an answer, and then before you have had the chance to respond, they will follow up with another one. And it builds mm. a kind of tension yeah. to the whole dialogue. Whereas if they were to stop and say, did you not know that this was illegal, and you had to sit and right. really respond to that, it would kind of kill the tension. Right. No, so, fair point. Not that I'm ever involved in legal proceedings where <laughs> breaking the law, but I'm just saying in, in the hypothetical. There's one more thing I'd like to say about the grammar, and that is with all of these rhetorical questions and appeals... The song is in the second person in that it addresses a you, and it's also in the third person in that it talks about Christ, mm. but it's never in the second person addressing God or Christ, which yeah. I find very curious given the source material, where in Revelation 5, we see a great multitude shouting, you are worthy, and uh, we actually have a kind of a turn to praise of Christ uh, directly praise directed directly to Christ. Uh, and in this song, we have praise of Christ and appeals directly to individuals, but we don't have that same turn to directly praising Christ. I had not noticed that. So it's very, very interesting. That all, and that also is unique. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and it stands out because the, so much of the song is clearly reflecting on Revelation 5. I mean, all of these source texts uh, make their way into the song in some way. Mm -hmm. And so for that to be absent is curious, conceptually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what we're going to do now, Tyler, is get into some of the lyrics? Yes. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark Stop the light from getting through We do Do you wish that you could see it all made new We do Do you feel the world is broken? We do Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Okay. So, what's going on, Tyler, in this first verse? Well, this is quite prototypical of many worship songs in that it begins with a problem. Yeah. And uh, really, to be precise, it begins with several problems. Okay. So, problem one, I feel the world is broken. Problem two, I feel the shadows deepen. Mm 
And um, the solution seems to be that the dark won't stop the light, uh, which I think may be drawn from John 1, yeah. verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is a metaphor where Christ is the light, mm-hmm. I guess? Yes. And what is the dark and what is the... The shadows? Yeah, what are the shadows? Yeah, I think the broken and shadows deepening, a broken world and deepening shadows are both metaphorical terms for uh, sin. Okay. Sin in the world and uh, perhaps sin in the self. It's not clear what the shadows deepening is. It could be... um, Actually, if I'm going to be most specific, I would say that's not self-referential because seeing is perceiving something outside of yourself typically. So if the shadows are deepening, I'm looking out and things are getting bad out there. I would lean towards this not being a personal problem. I would lean towards, or these problems, I would lean towards the problems being something observed external to the self. Uh, Like you, I think we're safe to probably assume that this is sin or consequences of sin, but we do have to make that leap. So this is highly metaphorical language. We should acknowledge that. And uh, the other thing that we've got going on here is not necessarily a statement that the world is broken or that the shadows are deepening, right? We have a statement about feeling, right? So it doesn't begin with, do you perceive that the world is broken or do you witness that the world is broken? is the world broken? Right. We begin with a reference to the perceiver and the perceiver's feelings about that. So um, I could see that being um, troublesome if... The conclusion is, yes, I feel this, as opposed to, yes, it is the case that, yeah. if that makes sense. The world is broken, Colin. Shadows, so to speak, are deepening. Yeah. Sin is abounding on this world. Yeah. Um, and even more so, not only is the world broken, we broke it. Correct. Right? Our sin has broken it. Correct. We are um, complicit in that uh, brokenness. Mm-hmm. And f- the third... Uh, the fourth rhetorical question here is, do you wish? So, again, this is, I think, provoking, it's clearly provoking an emotional response, or at least yeah. a response that is um, related to one's desires yeah. in this fourth verse, or fourth line. Um, yeah, it's very subtle. It's, you know, it's it's the slight difference between saying, this is something that we all observe and is real, versus you know, isn't this something that we all kind of perceive? Like, like, and the, it could be the case that everybody perceives something wrong, right? So, again, I don't think that's a... It depends on how the rest of the song goes, but, you know, this is slightly shaky to me, a slightly shaky way to begin the song. It would be nice to have a more declarative sense of what the problems are. There are songs that begin with a problem, and the problem is a statement of fact as opposed yeah. to a statement of um, subjective opinion. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we do have this third line, which assures us of knowledge of the okay. truth, right? Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Yes, we do know that that is the case. We do know that ultimately the darkness in this world, sin and evil Mm -hmm. and the evil one, will not prevail against God and his plans. Yeah. And obviously we have reference here, you know, in the idea of making new. This is a linguistic reference to Revelation 21.5, where he who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. And I think there are a few places in this song where there are just these, again, I wouldn't quite call it, it's not fan service, but it reminds me of when you're watching uh, a film that is like an adaption of a book or an adaptation of a book or a film that is referencing older films. And it like will do these little subtle things to just kind of people get comforted by things that they find familiar. And there are several places in the song where it just kind of uses little turns of phrase and little bits of vocabulary that remind one of scripture, not necessarily in substantial ways, but just in almost stylistic ways. And I think this is one of them. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing either. That could be quite a good desire. It keeps people focused on the truth of of scripture. Yeah. 
it's curious that we're left hanging at the end of this first yeah. verse, right? So the first couple of problems that we saw get an answer, right? The answer is the darkness will not overcome the light. Yeah. The light will ultimately overcome the darkness. But then this final question, do you wish that you could see it all made new? We are left hanging yeah. with that wish for a little bit. Yeah, because the answer isn't, it will be made new. The answer is, we do wish that. So now Correct. the chorus has been mobilized in this way of building tension. Like, we want this. I want this. The singer wants it. The chorus wants it. Is it going to happen? Mm -hmm. Well, so, we need to add more instrumentation to continue building the yeah. tension. So I think this is, isn't this where the strings yes. first come in? Correct. Yeah. The, it, more than the piano comes in. And then we get the second verse, which doesn't answer the question right away. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? It is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Tis. And uh, you're doing this uh, Frankie McCourt uh, Irish tis there. Twere um, a lovely thought. Yeah. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be? Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? We certainly know, as uh, Paul said in Romans 8.22, that all creation uh, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So yes, we do know that all creation is groaning because we, all creation has been groaning. Mm -hmm. I like, I like this first question again. So we have, we have an unresolved, a kind of unresolved tension after the last verse. And then the next verse just starts building that again. Like not only is the singer groaning, the chorus is wishing to see it all made new. And now all creation is groaning. So it's like, actually, this problem's just gotten bigger. You what you wanted the resolution, but actually you've got now even a bigger yes. bit of tension. And I think we've talked uh, in other contexts before, Colin, about certain theories of the atonement. Neither of us subscribes to these theories necessarily, sure. but there are entire theories of the atonement that involve an all-encompassing kind of um, making new yeah. that was accomplished by... Christ. Yeah, in part built on that verse that you referenced. Yeah. Right. So um, this certainly uh, is a verse that will resonate with people, I think. I think so. And, you know, just to go back to that Romans 8.21 thing, um, what I find interesting about that verse is it's way more explicit than this song is. So the song is, again, just using that language of creation groaning, it does stylistically remind us of the verse. But in substance, what the verse is actually saying is that the reason creation is groaning is because creation itself is in bondage to corruption. Subjected to futility. Exactly. So, and again, this is where I would think it would, it would have been nice at some point to identify the source of the groaning. So we have... We have it only in a vague way in the first verse about a broken world and shadows. But really, the source of even creation groaning is because of corruption and because of sin. So some mention of that would have added more weight to the problem, both, I think, stylistically, but obviously, more importantly, sort of theologically. I recall in a study Bible one time reading that the uh, word futility in verse 20 of Romans 8, for the creation was subjected to futility, um, is in the Septuagint, the same word used uh, for vanity in Ecclesiastes. And mm. so this kind of pervasive uh, corruption mm -hmm. uh, resulting in folly and um, emptiness as mm. a result of Adam's sin 
is kind of meant there. Um, but that's also secondhand. I did not look at the Septuagint myself. Then, is a new creation coming, Colin? It is. It is. We know that it is. You mentioned where Revelation 21, and we see in verses 1 to 4 at the beginning of this chapter, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. So we have a new heavens, a new heaven and a new earth, and a new Jerusalem is coming down uh, from heaven. And we also learn that God is going to dwell with man. And this becomes a theme later in the song as well. Yeah. So it is coming. Yeah. And uh, you you got this reference to the glory of the Lord being the light within our midst, which also is in, you know, this last part of Revelation 22. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So so God being the light in in kind of the, the new city, the new Jerusalem in Revelation 22. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess just one other thing I'll add about this. It is good for us to remind ourselves of this. It is. Um, but also, and again, I'm not saying the song has to mention this, but just this gives me an opportunity to mention something. It's good for Christians to remember while we are looking forward to God being the light in our midst, we don't want to forget the fact that God has also made us lights in the midst of a dark world. Like, if, if the church is God's light, and we see this referenced numerous times, Christ, you know, telling us to be salt and light. We see it also in Philippians 2, verse 15, where Paul describes us as children of God without blemish in the midst of of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So it's good for us to long to be in Revelation 21 and 22. At the same time, we must not be so forward-looking that we neglect our role of being lights in the world now and God shining through his church. And I think it would be wrong to indict the song that it had failed to do that. No. But that is an important distinction. No, think it, of the end of Matthew, the, the gospel according to Matthew. Christ tells us, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Yeah. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling mm. in us. Uh, this is another, this last line, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Again, this is not a substantial reference, but this made me immediately think of 2 Timothy 2.4, where Paul just says, remind them of these things. I, <laughs> I could not help but, like, that verse stuck in me. And when I heard this, it just kind of acted, like, it's like, okay, the, the way that he says, remind ourselves of this, I, I don't know whether that was intentional or not, but it, it just had a stylistic reference, I thought. But I do wonder how worthwhile it is to comment on what you're doing as you're doing it, oh, if that makes sure. sense. Now. Of course, this this happens in scripture. It's obviously not always a bad thing. Are there limitations to this? Like if all you're doing is like, is what I'm doing right now good? Yes. Am, am I being a good Christian right now by doing this? Yes. Um, at what point does that run it and hit its limits? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a maybe a question. That He's can't... definitely, I mean, with a song like that, or with a line like that, it's pushing towards those limits, I think. But he's definitely well within yeah, the yeah, I think so. normal bounds. And then we have the refrain. We do. <laughs> Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, 
He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Wow. I'm just going to go ahead and read an excerpt from Revelation 5. Okay, Revelation chapter 5. It's best if the listeners hear the word of God rather than our nonsense. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So this is the passage we're vaulted into, launched into. Um, Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? These are actually the rhetorical questions that for the first time are not answered by a, a chorus, right? The obvious answer is, um, there is only one who is worthy, yeah. right? Not me, not anyone else in heaven right. or on earth or below the earth. And doesn't that ratchet up the tension because we've gotten answers prior? So again, so many songs, no no song actually that I can think of, Christian song, uses the chorus to create more tension, right? Normally the chorus resolves any tension that was brought up in the verses. This song, it just ratchets it up. But it's a different kind of tension because you know what's coming at this point. Like, you know that somebody's going to be worthy. You know it's going to be Christ. So it's almost like a tension. It it moves from tension to anticipation. Yeah. And here's a question I have for you, Colin. How do you know? How do I know what? It's a serious question. How do you know that someone's going to open it? Well, I know it because I know the scripture. Right. Right. But if you are naive, yeah, I wonder what you would think. Yeah, if you it's your first time in the church, mm-hmm. um, you may have not have any idea what these people are sure. talking about. Um, now, obviously, we shouldn't tailor all the music to people who are in the church for the first time. But um, it actually read to me initially like they were surprised because we have <laughs> is anyone really is anyone whole is anyone? Uh-huh. Um, and then we have then this very, very long description of someone, but we don't actually hear that he opens the scroll until... Yeah. Um, or do we? We don't actually see we, him we, open the <laughs> scroll <laughs> in the song. Um, it's obviously implied that he's opening the scroll. Yeah, we don't... I mean, I also don't know the um, significance of the scroll either. Like, suddenly there's a scroll. Yes. And I, <laughs> I, was, I was looking at commentaries to be uh, full disclosure to make sense of it. And it seems like there are different perspectives on it. But the consensus seems to be this is the decree and the will of God yeah. that has been accomplished. Mm-hmm. And no, Matthew Henry says no human intellect or eyes uh, or wisdom could ever be worthy of opening his will and and searching it in that way. Right. So it's it's only Christ yeah. who has the authority to mediate in this way uh, for us. But yeah, is anyone worthy? This is the prosecutorial tone I was talking about earlier, yeah. right? There's no response here. The next question comes before you've had time yeah. to answer it. So that ratchets Is it anyone up able too. to break the seal and open the scroll? Now then we have the implied answer. Yes, someone is, but it is an implied answer. Yeah, because we don't, it doesn't actually say yet that the line of Judah is. It just announces that he's coming. Yes. Then we have almost like a character entering. Yeah, just a, a description. Yeah. Yeah. The line of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Yeah. Many ideas packed into two lines there. Many scriptural ideas. Yeah. So uh, he's called the Lion of Judah. This is from uh, prophecy that actually Jacob, Israel, pronounced over his son Judah. In Genesis 49.10, he says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So he is. Uh, he also describes Judah in the same uh, passage mm-hmm. as a lion or mm. as a cub. So Christ is the lion of Judah. Christ did conquer the grave. Um, and Christ is David's root. And in order to make sense of this, 
in Revelation, I went to Matthew Henry, as I mentioned, and he has an interesting explanation. He says, the root of David according to his divine nature, though a branch of David according to the flesh, right? Because Christ is two, has two natures. He who is a middle person, God and man, and bears the office of mediator between God and man is fit and worthy to open and execute all the counsels of God towards men. And this he does in his mediatorial state and capacity as the root of David and the offspring of Judah and as the king and head of the Israel of God. And he will do it to the consolation and joy of all his people. Wow. So Matthew Henry, very, very verbose, but uh, he's getting into uh, the the scriptural ideas that are housed in these titles. If you don't know the passages that these are referring to, they're majestic titles, but it's lost on you why it's significant. The full meaning is for sure. But it nevertheless does, you know, if somebody start, if I said to you, you know, Augustus, Caesar, conqueror of the Parthians, uh, holder of the power of a tribune for the fifth time, imperator, right? You don't necessarily know what you might. The who? Um, but right, right. <laughs> the what, right. But you have a sense, right, yes. that these are. Well, especially top. with all those agent nouns, if yeah. you're telling what, what someone has done yes, by their title. True. Wow. Yeah. And this guy's, um, Yeah important. And uh, we see both Christ as lamb and lion here too. So mm-hmm. he's the lamb. Uh, Matthew Henry explains it this way. He said, oh, Christ is the lamb to satisfy divine justice, if I'm recalling Matthew Henry correctly, and uh, the lion to um, conquer evil or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, he is both presented as this um, docile animal that bears God's wrath mm-hmm. in sacrifice and as a fierce animal ready to pounce on his yeah. enemies. It makes sense because what is in the scroll yes. is not exactly uh, fun stuff no, no, <laughs> for no. everybody. You know, death. <laughs> yeah. and you got the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You got plagues. You've got right. you know, all sorts of craziness Come. about to come out. Do you think that listeners of this song are thinking about that? No, they aren't. They aren't led to think about that at all. Again, there's no sense as to what what the scroll is and what it's going to do. And I wonder, like, you know, if you had this, you know, some uh, some churches show like uh, they have the power the PowerPoint or the slides up with the uh, words, and, and there's instead images of like a mountain stream, yeah, instead of like a mountain stream and like tree with autumn leaves flowers yeah it's like um you know it's like one of these paintings from the middle ages of of the treading of the wine press of god <laughs> yeah, or like yeah, yeah. the scenes from hell yes you know in these, from the 1500s yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> i know what you're talking about like there are these kind of right. people fleeing in horror right, from... exactly and the skeletons and the demons and all that kind of thing because that's what the scroll unleashes the song just kind of just kind of sweeps that whole nasty business away there's a scroll it's probably going to do something good one one last thing that i would say about this chorus before we go to the refrain is that we see he died to ransom the slave and so this identifies his ransomed people Mm -hmm. as having been slaves Mm -hmm. Uh, and we know that if anyone sins he is a slave to sin so we were in the uh, we were in captivity to sin and evil in a sinful world Mm-hmm. And he died to ransom us from that. Yeah. So, okay. So then we get to the refrain after the refrain. Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He is. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Of all blessing and honor and glory, is he worthy of this? He is. Yes. Finally, a resolution to the questions, and they continue to build. Um, This, of course, is also from Revelation chapter 5, where we see in verse 9, the to be quite specific then, the 24 elders... Um, singing a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. So um, they are declaring in Revelation chapter 5 
that he is worthy. But more specifically, as I mentioned earlier, they are declaring that you, Christ, are worthy. Um, Here we have, is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? He is. So uh, these rhetorical questions finally resolve in the affirmative. Okay. Verse 3. Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And is Jesus our Messiah? Hold forever those He loves. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Okay, so I'll just say right at the get-go, um, I, I like this too, because we've had all this tension building, we get this majestic moment of, you know, just being bowled over by Christ's worthiness. Now, you would think that there would be a kind of, I don't know, anticlimax or, you know, kind of conclusion. But this next part isn't tension. It's a kind of wondrous thing because we behold this majestic figure and then this figure loves us. The Father loves us and the Spirit moves among us. So there's a sense of intimacy, love, and um, Jesus holding us in his hand. Um, and God dwelling again with us. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's another little turn that the song takes that is kind of unexpected or surprising in a way. And it's trinitarian, yeah. right? We we speak of the Father and then the Son. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's Father and the Spirit, it's Father the and then the Spirit yeah. and then the Son. Uh, so we are praising all three persons of the Trinity. And there is an acknowledgement that the Spirit is a person because the answer is He does, not yes. it does. I noticed that too, and I thought it was really good to see the yeah. masculine pronoun be used because yeah. um, sometimes people forget to yeah. do that. Um, so yeah, we have the, it's curious we have the same He does response to each of these three questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps, perhaps indicating a um even a understanding of the trinity yeah, the one god in three persons yeah. um so we because ha- we have the name of the three per- names of the three persons and then we have our god in the fourth line here um jesus is declared to be our messiah so the redeemer of israel and um we see that he holds forever those whom he loves and um, this brought to my mind the words of, of Jesus where he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So his flock are secure in his yeah. hand. And then, does our God intend to dwell again with us? Well, we already talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, um, but we saw in, uh, in Revelation the uh, new heavens and the new earth coming down and uh we know that god will dwell in our midst and he will be our light as you mentioned before and i thought the choice of words here was interesting notice the again this adverb does our god intend to dwell again with us this brought to my mind adam walking with god in eden in pre-sin pre-fall bliss peace sometimes called shalom not to over mysticize it, but uh, a kind of peace that we have never known in our lives uh, yet, and we will have again with God. Hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, there's just some little touches in here that I would also add. So, does the Father truly love us? I thought that truly was a nice adverb because many songs will talk about God's love for us, they'll just say it, and again, That's fine. I think that's really, really good. The, 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 the cleverness of using truly is because you're, you've just been bowled over by the majesty 
And so it's actually, you kind of need the truly there. Otherwise just, and does God love us? That could almost even seem trite. So the truly is sort of like, it's acknowledging the, um, the kind of, not disbelief, um, but like it's kind of acknowledging the, uh, the awesomeness of what you just experienced and kind of the, the reality of, oh, this majestic and worthy um, God with all of these titles truly loves us, right? It's just, it's just a one adverb, but it's just a little way to just assure, right, this person. And it, and it kind of reinforces that this is unbelievable, Right, so you need the adverb actually. Well, yes, it's it's mind-boggling yeah. to consider this—the one whose will is sealed in a scroll that no one is worthy even to open, yeah. let alone read, let alone enact. This God loves us. It it is, it it, it is, and it probably should be hard to grasp. Yeah, and um, I would also contend. You said not unbelief. Uh, I agree with you, but I do think. It's possible that this is a legitimate um, doubt that many people in the church may have at some point. Oh, yeah, we all do, I Um, think, yeah. Does God really love me? I'm I'm not worth loving. Uh, And it is nice to see that reassured. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it's not because of our worthiness, but we've just got done talking about Christ's worthiness. So all of that stuff about Christ being worthy, right, is the basis for which we can say, the Father truly loves us. E. Colin, it, it's a wager to do, to do this, to ask these very bold questions, yeah. and it's only saved by the answer and the affirmative from the Chorus. If that were not there, if he were just saying, does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit yeah. move among us? You could say, these are rhetorical questions, poetic license permits me to interpret the answer to be yes, and I don't need to take issue with it. I, I think it, I would I would take issue with it if there were not a definitive answer because yeah. as it is now, yeah, these are um, simple yes or no questions, but it's almost like catechizing yeah. yourself yes. or catechizing a child where you yeah. read a, you read a question, there is an answer to the question, and you want to bring them to utter it themselves yeah. because they need to grasp the truth. Right, the question actually helps you learn something rather than just repeating and memorizing something. You're you're actually, in order to answer the question, you have to reflect on what the question was and therefore get, give the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, we have a kind of bridge part for the final lyrics in the song. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God, the reign with the sun. Every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priests to God to reign with the Son. So we got a pretty good summary of Revelation chapter 5, verse 10 there. Yeah. And with one distinction, and that is we are identified as that yeah. people uh, here, as opposed to in Revelation chapter 5. Um, it is stated that... Christ has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, but it's still one step removed from identifying ourselves with that people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, that gets us through all the lyrics, Tyler. Let's give some concluding thoughts about this song, and I've been looking forward to this. I'm very curious where you are going to land on this. So, um, yeah, how would you kind of evaluate the song as we move into that? It's a very strange song, Colin. <laughs> Let me just say that. Because... There's so much truth in the verses, um, if you're willing to do the digging. Mm -hmm. And there are many references to Scripture, which I think is very praiseworthy. Because many times we'll see these Christian songs, and it will be like someone wrote it in the middle of the night. You know, and that that can be—that's sometimes when creative energy strikes you. That's when it happens, but— um, this one is clearly one that he's reflected on and sought to put a lot of thought into. 
I don't know why I want this, so maybe you can help me think through this, but I desire direct praise of God, hmm. if that makes sense. You are not alone in that. I think most people prefer that. In, in this song, I mean specifically. No, I know like, what you mean. Like you don't, you don't want the you don't want the third person. I, yeah. I don't I don't mind the third person if we're talking about him, and that can be an act of praise too. Sure. But I almost want there to be a chorus where um, we see. Um, I, I, I want there to be a chorus where we we actually see Christ open the scroll. Yeah. And we actually praise Christ and say, you are worthy. Yeah. And it seems like it could be done with what we have here. Right? Instead of, is he worthy? Yeah. Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? It could be, you are worthy. You are worthy of all blessing and honor and glory. And it would be, I think it would be more powerful. Yeah, if, than- I were, if I were a betting man, I imagine many worship leaders alter the song to yeah. include a chorus like that. Okay. I, I, I would have, or I, I would do that with this song. Yeah. Not because it, that's a thing that um, is absolutely essential, but it, it seems like the song would naturally build up to it. And also scripturally, that is what we see in scripture. We see yes. the, um, the assembly there in Revelation chapter 5 sing directly to Christ. You are worthy. So for a truly faithful representation of Revelation 5, that would need to be there. So this isn't just arbitrary, um, oh, wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if it said you? I mean, there's warrant for it in Scripture. Yeah, and as I said at the beginning, especially how much of the rest of this song is clearly taken from there, to have that missing is kind of a glaring hole. Yeah, and like you, I find it really admirable that the song sticks very, for the most part, sticks very close to Scripture. I would note another a few other, uh, what we might think of omissions or just uh, vari- variables in the Revelation 5 scene that I think are are important. Again, not deal breakers or anything, but just, so this song includes almost everything from that chunk in the first half of Revelation 5. It does omit um, the language of blood and the language of slaying. So it that is pretty important in the Revelation 5 passage because there's a sense that that Christ is both lion and lamb. He's both king, or he's 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 king, he is priest, and he is also sacrifice at the same time. And the the song does say who died and does use the word ransom. So it's not as if it doesn't mention these things, but in kind of downplaying, it's funny because I um I didn't like one song a few episodes ago which talked about Christ's bloody arms. Yeah. So the irony I guess is now I'm almost asking for more blood, but I just want I want the I want the it seems it seems quite appropriate here. Give me the blood. Yeah. <laughs> <I've seen> the- <laughs> Do you know the video game setting, right, where you can you can have the video game be as gory as possible. Yeah. Um you know, I kind of want I want I, I just want the gore to reflect What's in this passage? Not for not because of the gore, but because it centralizes a bit more the sacrificial work of Christ, which just could be foregrounded a bit more in the song. But again, these are I would say fairly minor oh, yeah. criticisms, and it's really only because the song has stuck so yeah, close yeah, to the scripture exactly. so far that we can even say this. It's <laughs> so true. different to be this nitpicky yeah. over something like this than to say, well. I think it's talking about First Corinthians yeah. 15. Or even, I think this is talking about Jesus, <laughs> yeah, right? They've right. got a lot of songs. You don't even know who they're talking about half the time. So, you know, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. I will say one other thing. I do wish they would explain, not they, but Peterson would explain in the song, why it's important for the scroll to be open. Yeah. Like what's significant about that? Otherwise, yeah. it's scriptural. It's clearly based on a biblical text, but uh, it doesn't uh, It doesn't explain the significance of its own existence, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, the song. That's I true. Mean, obviously, the text does, but not the song. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point as well. So, you know, some, some critiques. Tyler, does this, uh, how does this, all of this reflected in your rating? out of five. Uh, I give it four out of five choreographers. 
because this music video was so well choreographed. Yeah. It, it, it was an incredible production, yeah. and it was all one shot. Yeah. So, so they obviously hustled these people in with their candles yeah. right into the pews. They shuffled them in. They, the the um, singers, the yeah. string players, yeah. the lights came on when yeah. the camera was turned away. So it was like one of those movies where, not movies, but videos where a guy will be walking in a gorilla suit between a bunch of people tossing around a football. And the first time you watch it, you don't notice the guy in the gorilla suit. But the second time you watch it, you notice him. It's kind mm. of like that in this music video mm. where stuff is changing, but you don't notice it initially until, you know, after there's an entire crowd of people in this yeah. church and a string orchestra and everything. What did you give it, Colin? It, it's a very, um, and I think it's also a very, appropriate video like it's not self-aggrandizing like even though it's a performance video you know i feel like it didn't like he wasn't sucking the attention away you know his facial expressions and the emotion and all that dancing or whatever you know it was a real it fit the song Um, i'm glad that i'm glad that we got your rating before mine because my rating i don't want to say it it challenges your rating but it will it will deepen your rating, okay? So I also gave it four out of five. I gave it four out of five obligatory apologies because as you may have noticed being a millennial, and I certainly noticed being a millennial, um, those were all white folks in the video. And uh, Andrew Peterson, the day after the video came out, received a slew of messages and social media ire. And so he wrote the day after an apology, says he was in tears at his computer, um, realizing that um, he regrets what he did uh, by not casting the video in a way which was more diverse. In a song where he's talking about every tribe and tongue and nation, it is somewhat ironic that all of the people look a certain way. Um, However, you have to look, I think, at the local demographics of the place where they filmed, especially if there was an open casting. Um, I don't see any rebuke over there being a lack of French speakers in the song. Like, everyone's speaking English in this song, which... If we were going to really fulfill every tribe and tongue and nation, we'd have like Bantu speakers and Mandarin speakers. Um, It would be about more than um, just race. But I do think, um, yeah, I do think if you want your music video to fully reflect this verse from scripture, then yeah, you need to have that. But it depends. What was his goal for the music video? Was he... Was it an artistic project that he meant to... He, what if the main goal was to have an entire music video that was one shot? Yeah. And having it fully reflect in its visuals the truths of scripture mm-hmm. uh, was less important to him. Yeah. It, has he done something wrong in making that music video? In my opinion, no. Sure. Yeah, he says, Please, Lord, don't let my mistake detract from the point of the song, which is to give voice to the truth of the gospel to invite many into the joy of singing about the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done. And I think, yeah, you know, that's good. I think that's a, that's a, a uh, really appropriate comment to make. And so anyway, four out of five obligatory apologies, four out of five choreographers. Can I ask what kept you from a five? Uh, yeah. So probably some of the things that kept you, I think the problem could have been defined a bit more clearer as sin. Um, I think while the references to scripture were wonderful, um, just the slight omissions and, and the, the you, he distinction, um, those were just enough. Those just combined together to give this song. I just didn't feel like I could quite give it the five, you know? Yeah, there were a few things that detracted from that, yeah. I thought. So I don't even think we mentioned this, but the whole? Like, is anyone whole? The, the idea of someone not being whole also was not really introduced. Yeah. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Um, now, certainly that's that's true. I mean, uh, we are... Yeah, does he just say whole because it rhymes with scroll? Maybe. Well, why would somebody need to be whole? Whole in what way? At, well, as opposed to being... Um, 
partial, imperfect. Okay, maybe whole is a euphemism for perfect or a synonym for perfect. That must yes. be what it is. He's trying to say perfect, but perfect doesn't rhyme with scroll. That's a whole other issue. It is. Which we may, I say I'm doing the Midwest thing. Yeah, we'll tackle that another time when, of course, I have no intention of talking about that ever again. <laughs> it depends how much listener feedback we get. I imagine the listener feedback we get will um, inform whether or not we address the whole problem. I think there are going to be, knowing what I know about a little, a few of our listeners, I obviously don't know, I only know a fraction of our listeners, but I, I expect there will be people disappointed that the song did not get a five. You think so? I think so. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Sorry. Pick better music. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.